The Washington Post, where democracy dies and slavering hatred of Donald Trump that seems to seethe like acid inside your belly, eating through your guts until it devours your very soul, causing your face to freeze in a distorted rictus of agony while words of malice and madness stream from your gaping mouth as if a demon were speaking from inside you so that at last you realize with horror that you've become Jennifer Rubin. Reporters have uncovered a conspiracy involving Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. The exclusive post-investigation has revealed that for many years, Barrett has been a member of a cult-like group known as Christianity, whose members gather every Sunday for a gory ritual in which they devour the body and blood of a human being. The group, heretofore unknown to journalists at the Post, has established meeting places in almost every corner of America and has even reportedly spread to other countries, although these reports could not be confirmed without sending reporters outside the Beltway, an assignment deemed too risky by the Post editors. In troubling rights reminiscent of the dystopian television show The Handmaid's Tale, which reporters personally binged in order to be able to write this sentence, female members of this society must submit to the authority of their husbands who respond with the fetishistic practice of making their wives into one flesh with themselves. This, of course, renders all other sexual relationships virtually impossible, which in turn transforms marriage into something very, very different from the institution normally experienced in Washington, D.C. The cult's inflexible rules have raised concerns among Democrat lawmakers. For instance, they fear the troubling directive, thou shalt not kill, could endanger abortion rights, and the decree, thou shalt not steal, would make Democrat governance virtually impossible. Though Barrett insists membership in this freakish, grotesque, indeed almost religious group, will not hamper her ability to function on the Supreme Court, others fear it might inspire her to champion certain anti-Democrat causes, like the Constitution. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. All right, the massive conspiracy known worldwide as Clavenon continues. If you want to be a part of this underground movement, go on YouTube and subscribe to the Andrew Claven channel. Not, not the Daily Wire, because they don't want to be associated with me for obvious reasons, but you want to go on and subscribe to the Andrew Claven channel, press the bell, and it will notify you of new content. And also leave a comment, because otherwise I just sit here and stare into the camera with nothing to say. But if you leave me a comment, I'll have something really stupid that I can share with you. Today we have from listener 523, uh, says, God bless our patriotic raccoons driving the communist hordes from the White House. Uh, you remember yesterday we had a raccoon attacking, several times attacking uh, a CNN reporter. Uh, so definitely that guy deserves a, a little medal. And, and also for health concerns was wearing a mask. Uh, as I was watching the VP debate, the question that kept coming into my mind was, why is this the first time anyone is learning about Biden-Harris policies in the mainstream news? It's kind of funny 
in a not-that-funny sort of way, that the media <laughs> spends so much time declaring Donald Trump an authoritarian strongman when there's exactly zero evidence of that. But all Trump has to do is wave from a balcony like every other president before him. And at some point, the boneheads on the news compare him to Hitler or Mussolini or North Korea's Kim Jong-un because they also waved from a balcony once. I have to assume that somewhere there are Democrats sitting at home nodding and thinking, isn't that just so true? Even while not a single sign of authoritarian rule is apparent anywhere. And in fact, a lot of Democrats are complaining that Trump didn't establish nationwide flu protocols or a mask mandate. So obviously he's not authoritarian enough. But even if Trump were Mussolini slash Hitler slash Kim, how would that let the media off the hook for examining Joe Biden? If you didn't watch the VP debate last night, you would not know watching the news. What are the flaws in Biden and Harris's campaign? What, what are their policies about and how can you question them? Biden is, after all, he's running or walking or crawling for the office of the presidency. We deserve to know whether he'd pack the Supreme Court. Shouldn't so-called journalists be digging into how much he knew about his son Hunter's corruption while he was vice president? They don't even ask. And shouldn't journalists explore why Obama's former defense secretary said Biden was wrong on every foreign policy issue and why Biden's former chief of staff considered the administration's handling of the swine flu a mess that only avoided mass deaths by sheer luck? These are questions journalists ask if, if... Their job is to inform Americans so Americans can choose who to vote for. You don't ask them, journalists don't ask them, if you don't trust the American people to make up their own minds if they get fair and balanced information. This is what makes our journalists today so incredibly corrupt. Their relentless lies of omission, especially about Democrats, reveal an intense distrust of the people and the process that lets the people rule. And if you don't want the people to make their own decisions, then the evil Mussolini Kim Hitler guy is the guy looking back at you from the mirror. Our journalists are exactly what they accuse Trump of being. Otherwise, they dedicate themselves to telling the truth about both sides. So you're hanging around, you're on your computer, you're doing your computer stuff. People are plotting to steal your identity. Synthetic identity fraud is one of the fastest growing financial crimes in the United States. It happens when criminals use a combination of fake and real information to create an entirely new identity. They combine real personality, identifiable information, such as your social security number, with a fake name and address to open bank accounts, seek credit, or even obtain health insurance. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet. That's why there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web and they will notify you. It's incredibly helpful. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. Get your free dark web scan at lifelock.com slash scan. Pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code Claven. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan and then 25% off with promo code Claven. But, but you say, wait, wait, how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Claven. So yesterday I was part of a talk that included a GOP strategist. And obviously, I'm going to get to the VP debate, but I want to talk about this first because a lot of people are disturbed by the polls. And I keep saying, I don't know how to read the polls. I don't know how much they're skewed. I don't think they're 
totally skewed, but I do think that there are a lot more pollsters who are partisan, pretending to be nonpartisan than there were before. Uh, I still look at Rasmussen, who now has also has Trump way down in the national race, although the battleground states are still very close. So yesterday I was talking to a guy who's kind of an outsider. He's a GOP strategist. I don't want to name him because I didn't ask for his permission to share what he was saying. But he was one of these guys, these guys that I happen to like, who was just completely po-faced and deadpan about the facts. He wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. He wasn't going to try and skew it. He wasn't spinning anything. Uh, and I just happen to like that. I don't want I don't want to be cheered up. I'm much more cheerful when I know what's going on. So he said, basically, that this last week has been the worst week for an incumbent president than any other week in history of an incumbent president. And the big thing that really hit Trump hard was not his debate performance, which doesn't seem to have really bothered people very much. The aggression and the, you know, the fact that we didn't get to hear anything really from either side in the debate and the chaos. That didn't seem to bother people. What really bothered people was that he caught the Chinese virus. And that this guy said that the thing that more than anything else divides people on whether they're for Trump or Biden is the question, do you think the worst of the virus is before us or do you think it's behind us? Those who vote for Trump tend to think that the worst of the virus is behind them. And those who vote for Biden tend to think that the worst is yet to come. And that's I think that's kind of indicative, by the way, of conservatives and uh, leftists is that leftists tend to be um, more pessimistic and depressed and conservatives tend to be more optimistic, but also, uh, I think, angrier. <laughs> I don't blame them for being angry. Now, the good news, according to this guy, is that the switch in the polls was so sharp that it shows that there's a lot more flexibility than people say. A lot of people are saying there's no undecideds. And he said he didn't think there were many people who were undecided, but they thought there were a lot of people who were still willing to move. They were leaning one way, but they might yet lead the other way. And he said that the vote still is going to come down to certain small places, very specifically Pennsylvania uh, and uh, Nebraska, specifically Omaha. He said is going, it's going to be uh, about these are going to be the battlegrounds. It's still going to be, in his opinion, a very close race, uh, that there's a lot of things that still can happen. Obviously, it's 2020. Anything can happen. Uh, he said that women are a factor, but it's not suburban women. It's women with families uh, who earn over a certain amount of money. I think it was $70,000, $80,000 a year because they tend to live in the suburbs. People in the suburbs obviously have more, more money. And he said this Amy Coney Barrett thing is going to be a big deal because people never cared about Kavanaugh and they don't care about Barrett. What they care about is how the Democrats behaved and if they go after her. So far, they've been very restrained, you'll notice. But eventually, as he said, it's in their DNA uh, that uh, they, they may go after her religion and that will hurt them. So still hopeful. There's still some hope. But it, he Trump did take a big hit in this flu thing, according to this guy who was, like I said, very straightforward and really an honest guy. I really like talking to him. So before, you know, usually I start by giving you like my take on what happened and then go to the media. But I think the media is actually the bigger story. The The vice president debate, I, I've always liked Pence. I've always, I call him Mensch. I put together Mike and Pence and call him Mensch because I think he's a decent, intelligent, diligent guy who does his job. When he got assigned to head the task force on the Chinese flu, I thought, oh my gosh, they're really throwing him to the alligators there because this can't go well, right? It, I mean, it has to go badly. It's a pandemic and there's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be bad things that happen. But but he really did uh, stuck the course, did a good job, gave all the credit to Trump, never put himself forward. And he really, you know, he's just a decent guy. And I thought he won the debate walking away. I thought, uh, you know, that he was 
basically more informed, more honest, more straightforward. He was polite. He was decent. Every time he opens his mouth, it's like 2020 stops. <laughs> it's like you're going like, that's everybody's yelling. It's like, Mike Pence is speaking. Everything is fine. Everything will be fine. And then you go back into the craziness. You could tell that the media also thought that he won the debate because they were talking about things like this. Here's George Stephanopoulos cut 38. Obviously, Mike Pence uh, is a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor. But I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on tonight. Now, this was huge. This was everywhere. S.E. Cup was talking about it. Everything was mansplaining. mansplaining. So this is I like this like feminists. We're strong and we're equal to men. Also, feminists don't debate me. I'm just a girl. This is what the left does all the time. They actually embody the prejudices they're supposedly fighting. They do it with black people. They treat black people. They, they talk about black criminals as if black criminals were black people, as if they represented black people. So they'll say, you know, like you're being, the uh, police are so unfair because they're shooting, you know, and arresting black people. No, they're arresting criminals. They, most black people are not criminals. That's the thing. The people that the criminals are preying on are also black. And so treating <laughs> the criminals as if they were representative of black people is inherently racist. And that is what the left does. And they do the same thing with women. They start out, women are strong. Every, you know, you always, whenever you see a woman, she has to have her fists on her waist and look like a man kind of strutting around and all this. And then you can't answer a woman in a debate because that's that's just too hard. That's that's mean. That's harsh. They're just delicate little flowers. You can't touch them. I mean, they even had this piece of plexiglass. <laughs> I just love this. They had the plexiglass uh, barrier between uh, Pence and uh, Harris because, as we all know, Pence is a wild man. I mean, that guy at any minute just you know snaps. I mean, he look he look he has that calm serial killer thing, you know, and then any minute he just blows up and turns into the Hulk and rips. <laughs> So not only not only are we mansplaining, not only are the men evil because they actually debated, they actually debated a female as if she were a person. I mean, you can't do that. They also went after Pence's manhood. This is Nicole Wallace, uh, Cup 39. The problem tonight is that Vice President Pence appeared flaccid and anemic, and that's going to hurt him with men. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only people that they still had in their coalition after last week's barn burner from Trump were were the the sort of grievance voter that is a a very vocal and animated part of the Trump base. And that's not what they needed. I mean, they needed him to come out because here's the other thing that's on voters' minds, real people. What if Trump takes a turn for the worse and this guy takes over? He had to look presidential tonight and he just looked limp and lame. He's flaccid. He's limp. There's not a dog whistle in there. (laughs) He's flaccid. He's limp. You know, first of all, Nicole Wall is one of the most dishonest people on TV. She's such a partisan that really talking to her, even playing her is, is ridiculous. But the thing is, that's also ignorant. That's also ignorant. Men know exactly who Pence is. Men look at Pence and like, yeah, he's, he is not a carnival of thrills. Nobody is saying he is. And it's one of the sad things about our system that only a Donald Trump could have won and only a Donald Trump would have done the things that he has that he has done. But Pence is in some ways a much more electable figure. And Pence is the kind of guy you look at and you think, yeah, this is a guy you follow over the hill because he knows what he's doing. He's not exciting. He's just doing his job. He's got the facts. He's got the, um, you know, he's got the competence to do the job. But (laughs) this is unbelievable. You're mansplaining and you can't get it up. I mean, that's really that's really what the the press is. So, you know, he won the debate. You know, you know, that's how, you know, if they thought if they thought that, um, 
Kamala Harris had won the debate. That's not what they would be talking about. They would talking, be talking about how sharp she was and how smart she was and all this stuff. But the other thing they're talking about, and I absolutely love this. I mean, this this is like our, our commentariat. This is our news, our news people at work, our, our American journalists at work. Steve Schmidt, who is an old GOP and McCain and Bush, which tells you something about McCain and Bush, that this guy was working for him. At one point, a fly landed on Pence's uh, head, okay? And he didn't know it and he went on talking. I think that happened to Hillary too at one point. So that's funny. I, you know, I, I grant that that's something that I would make a joke about too and all this stuff. But here's Steve Schmidt talking about this. This is cut nine. I mean, I don't think it's ever a good sign when a fly lands on your head for two minutes. You know, that's a, that's a sign all through history of sin and historically, biblically, uh, maybe... You wouldn't normally say this after uh, you wouldn't. It's only safe to say this, sorry, after midnight. But, you know, the a fly, he who commands the fly has always been seen historically as the mark of the devil. So I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm not Steve, relevant, but, but, it, but it, I, having the fly now as a journalist, your, never, now I have to never, ask for the record. Are you joking? Because uh, it, the fly could have landed on anyone. Yes, but it didn't. It landed on Mike Pence and it, and it says something. <laughs> He's the Lord of the flies. They can't do anything with Pence. Pence is so calm and so low key and so competent and so decent. And he really is a, a very decent guy. And he even treated Kamala. He congratulated her at one point on her historic nomination. He's just a decent guy. But he's the Lord of the flies. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough. Not only are flies say the, the mark of the beast, not only are they the mark of the I, I love these guys. I could I could play this stuff all day. This, not only the mark of the beast, but they're also black. They also represent black people. This is Gail King. She was just a stone Obama supporter. What is she on CBS? I, you know, th- this is another thing. Like, couldn't they not have also somebody who is a little bit to the right? But no, they have Gail King. This is her talking about the fly. At one point when they were talking about systemic racism, I think it's very interesting timing that a fly would land on Mike Pence's head at that particular time (laughs) when he said that there really wasn't systemic racism. I saw the fly basically go and say, what? I mean, it was very interesting. That was a I don't want to call that a highlight, but that was certainly a memorable moment. She's, she's straight. She, this is, she's saying this with a straight face. This is like when he's talking about the systemic racism and the fly landed, you know, because flies not only represent Satan, they also represent black people. I don't even know what they're talking. This is your media work, ladies and gentlemen. So you're getting you're getting the best information. You are getting the absolute best information when you get the when you get the incisive analysis of the mainstream media after a debate. You are just they just crack it open. You know, like you couldn't understand it before, but suddenly. It all makes sense. CNN ran a poll saying that uh, that Kamala Harris won. And by the way, I do think I do think, by the way, that women actually liked Kamala Harris better than men, that the men actually sided more with Pence. And uh, this would be my guess. Obviously, this is not based on anything. But I just think I just think, uh, you know, that women do sort of get defensive and protective of other women when they're on stage. And, you know, Pence Pence, by the way, spoke less than Kamala Harris. He was interrupted more. He was cut off more. He had less time speaking than Kamala Harris. So a lot of that is illusion. But she practiced. She came out and every time we'll play some of it. But every time he interrupted her, she had this thing. Let me I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Don't. So she was she was playing into that. It was rehearsed. And they knew that that would be something they could sell to their base. Politics is politics. Frank Luntz had a focus group that he was using and had independent voters. And he's this is his report. Uh, cut six. The 
complaint about Mike Pence was that he was too tired, but vice presidential or presidential. If this is a battle over style and substance, which is often the case with undecided voters because they simply do not choose on policy, they also choose on persona. This was Mike Pence's night. I, I think I think there's probably a lot to that. I think that that, you know, there aren't again, I don't think there are a lot of independent voters in the sense of people who just haven't decided yet. But I do think there are people who are answering the polls. Yeah, I'm leaning this way. I'm leaning that way. And they will shift back and forth. And this could have an effect. That was the other thing when when they said, you know, oh, this debate didn't matter. That was another mainstream media thing going around. This debate matters because I don't see how anybody can think. Anybody who's paying any attention whatsoever can think that Kamala Harris is not going to be the president if Joe Biden gets elected. If Joe Biden gets elected, he will be run by the left and then Kamala Harris will take over after Biden is caught in a, you know, he's the, he'll be in a corner of the White House somewhere trying to find his way out of it. And they'll have to get two guys to turn him around and say, no, Joe, the rest of the room is this way. So, so I mean, Kamala Harris, I think this was a consequential debate and I think Pence won it. So I was driving around, uh, I was in Santa Barbara, actually, and one, this light goes on in my car, and I'm paging through the book, trying to find out what it means. You get worried about it. You don't know what it's going to be, how much it's going to cost. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield offers a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands for any covered repair. That means that the check engine light comes on. It's just a lot less scary. You have the freedom to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and CarShield gets the rest taken care of. Even if your car breaks down while you're traveling, the choice of the repair shop is still up to you. CarShield has helped over 1 million drivers. That's why they're America's number one auto protection company. You don't have to dread car repairs with CarShield. You have peace of mind. Get coverage today and see why CarShield cars go further. Call 800-665-2157 and mention code Andrew or visit carshield.com and use code Andrew to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code Andrew. A deductible may apply. Uh, all right, so let, let's take a look about it. Let, let us take a, a closer look at this. They started off, this was Kamala Harris's best moment was with the virus, the, which is, was the opening stuff. And, and, and Susan Page was very biased. Her questions were very biased. I don't understand why. I mean, she wrote a biography, a, a hagiography of Nancy Pelosi. I do not understand why the GOP does not stand up to the debate commission and say, no, we are going to have conservative and liberal uh, moderators. I do not understand this. I don't understand why the GOP lays down on this all the time. And obviously the reason is because they can't pull out of the debates, but still, I think they should make a much, much, much bigger fuss about this. This is just, it's just absurd that every single moderator has to be on the left, but the virus is their best thing. And they as this guy was saying to me today, the fact that Trump caught the virus makes him look bad. It's, it's something people are worried about and they want to take seriously. We did no worse on the virus than anybody else. For a while, it seemed that Europe did better, but Europe is now going back up and we're not. And so this is just a virus that behaves as it will. It's a disease. It just We don't really know how it's going to behave. The lockdowns don't seem to have helped. Masks, I don't know. I, like I said, I think in a closed space, they do make a difference, but otherwise they don't seem to help. It's a disease, and it's a disease that spreads when there are no symptoms apparent. It's a disease that started spreading before people even knew it was there. Donald Trump is not to blame for this, but, but he's the guy in the Oval Office. 
That is just true. That's just the way it is. You know, people are going to blame him and the media, of course, has piled on. And so every it's like, you know, you know they've portrayed uh, Trump as the grim reaper, the guy who shows up at your door. So Kamala Harris did best when she was talking about this is cut 11. Would you impose new lockdowns for businesses and schools and hotspots? A federal mandate to wear masks? The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. And they knew what was happening and they didn't tell you. The president said it was a hoax. And our plan is about what we need to do around a national strategy for contact tracing, for testing, for administration of the vaccine and making sure that it will be free for all. So those of you who are informed, and if you're watching the show or listening to the show, you probably are informed, then you know that a lot of what she said was lie. Trump never called it a hoax. He said what was a hoax was the Democrat version of it, which is true. It was a hoax. You know, they, everything they say they're, they're going to do, and I've pointed this out before, everything they say they're going to do, Trump has already done, and Pence actually picked up on that, and this was a good response uh, to help. I want the American people to know that from the very first day, President Donald Trump has put the health of America first. Before there were more than five cases in the United States, all people who had returned from China. President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done. And that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Now, Senator Joe Biden opposed that decision. He said it was xenophobic and hysterical. The reality is, when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. I mean, quite frankly, uh, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. <laughs> from, from Pence. That's a major, major insult. Of course, if it had been Trump, he just would have ripped, you know, ripped her head off or something. But from Pence, that's a major insult. It was a good shot, too, because it's fair. It's, and it's, 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 it's a good shot because it's absolutely true right down the line. Joe Biden has not proposed a single thing that Trump hasn't already done. And the fact that it's, it's what we're dealing with is all feeling here. And, you know, as I always say, it's, it's fine to say the facts don't care about your feelings, but feelings are a fact, especially in a Democrat, uh, a Democratic government. People feel bad about this. They do feel afraid. And so the press is playing into it and the press has been spreading terror. If you read The New York Times, it really is like reading, you know, a Halloween sheet. It's just do doing nothing. If somebody sneezes in Montana and somebody else falls ill in, you know, New York, they put it out saying experts say some experts say that, you know, you can sneeze for 3000 miles and kill somebody else on site like that. So they've been selling this. There was all then they moved on to more uh, economic things about the energy, the Green New Deal, the Green New Deal, which really is just it should be called the Red New Deal because it's really just socialism. It's really just a government takeover of industry. And Kamala did what she did through the whole thing. I mean, Pence did not do this. Pence sometimes had to dance because sometimes he was defending uh, Donald Trump, who has behaved. The, the big problem with Donald Trump on the on the virus was not what he did. It was what he said and the way he behaved. He behaved for a long time as if this was still about him, as if he could still say, oh, the press is attacking me. Nobody cared. 
People were getting sick. Nobody cared about Donald Trump. That's the time when the president has to say, I'm thinking about you. He ultimately came around to that when his original press conferences bombed. But of course, that was too late to stop the press from demonizing him. Well, he's, you know, he's his vice president is Lord of the Flies. So after all, we can't really trust him. But Kamala lied the entire time. They talked about fracking. This was what she said on fracking is cut 40. First of all, I will repeat, and the American people know, that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. That is a fact. Okay. Fact check. This is cut one. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah. And, and, and starting... And starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? And, um, and then there has to be legislation. But yes, and this is something I've taken on in California. I have a history of working on this issue. And to your point, um, and, you know, the, we have to just acknowledge that the residual impact of fracking is enormous in terms of the impact on the health and safety of communities. And, and no, it's not, by the way. And here's Joe Biden uh, discussing the same thing as cut two. Kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. <laughs> it's just shutting him down. I, you know, I, I, when, one of the things that absolutely fascinates me about the left is that it exists almost entirely in an imaginative universe. And this really does fascinate me because all of us, our imagination is where we organize the world, right? Because the world is just a series of events. You know, things are just happening. Uh, it's we who bring meaning to the world. And you want to bring the right meaning to the world. The left doesn't believe there is a right meaning. The left believes what any meaning you can convince people becomes the meaning. But that's not true. There is, there is a meaning to events and our imagination is where we organize those things. But there's always a danger that you can imagine yourself right out of the world. The whole point of living, the whole point of Organizing your mind is organizing your mind in keeping with the facts of the world, right? You want to know nature as it is. You want to know life as it is. You want to know human beings as they are. You want to understand them as they are. And when you find a philosophy that predicts things well, that uh, that helps you understand the world, then you start to say, ah, yes, I'm getting to this place of sanity. For the left, the imagination is everything. It's like fracking is safe. It has made America a dominant deliverer of energy, freeing us from the domination of backward Islamic states that were using oil and energy to blackmail us and control us. It has liberated us. It has made people wealthy. It has happened here in America because of our property rights, because in other countries, you don't own the land under the land, but here when you own property, you own it straight down to the core of the earth. It has been a major, major triumph of American ingenuity and uh, stick-to-itiveness and, uh, you know, inventiveness. And so why they want to ban it, it's just like, it's just dark. You know, the oil is dark, energy is dark, something wrong, you know, we're going to get rid of all this. And it really is an amazing thing how deeply they live in their in this imaginative world. Uh, and I, it's, it's really quite shocking in a way to me, but then they have this entire imaginative structure, uh, infrastructure, which we haven't built to maintain them, to float them. This is why I'm constantly harping about the press. This is why I'm constantly hoping, harping about the entertainment industry, because this is the structure on which their imaginative world rests. They talk about, you know, the New York Times did an article 
a huge article the other day on the collapse of the Venezuelan economy. Not once in this article did they mention the word socialism. Socialism is what collapsed the Venezuelan economy. Nothing else did it. It was just the socialism. Without that, Venezuela is a naturally rich country. But if you live in this imaginative world that the New York Times has created in which the red century was a wonderful place where women had better sex than they did in, uh, under a democracy, then you have to keep that imagination alive. And that's what you hear when they're talking about energy. So as we've talked about, and as I'm sure you've noticed, there's a lot of people out there who want you to be afraid. We want you to be unafraid, and that's why we want you to use Ring. There's a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you, obviously, and Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are, right from your phone. If someone stops by or something's going on, Ring lets you know it's peace of mind instead of fear. Peace of mind anytime, knowing that your home is protected. Wherever you call, uh, whatever you call home, Ring has everything you need to protect it. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with their video doorbells. And you can get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Claven. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience, plus free two-day shipping. That's ring.com slash Claven. Ring.com slash Claven. Anyone comes to your door, just say, How do you spell Claven? It's K L A P A. You want them to sing it just like that. All right. Go over to dailywire.com. If you watched uh, our coverage of the debate last night, you saw the great and powerful Matt Walsh delivering the kind of coverage you want to get from crazy Catholic, you know, tyrants like Matt. If you like that debate coverage, <laughs> you should join the Daily Wire now as an insider or all access member and get 20% off with code DEBATE so you can watch all of our upcoming debate coverage live at dailywire.com, Apple TV, or the Roku app. Watch the next debate with us and get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code DEBATE when you sign up today. By then, we will have drugged Matt and he will be, he will be able to deal with him again. So go to dailywire.com and subscribe. Now, as you know, I'm here for the laughs, and one of my favorite things to do is to watch Democrats talk about foreign policy. And the reason foreign policy is interesting is because other countries exist outside the imaginative universe of the Democrats, which is entirely, as I say, an act of imagination. So when you start dealing with Iran, you can have a guy like Obama living in his imagination where he's king of the universe and everything is really just the way we treat people. And you can say, oh, now we're going to treat the Iranians differently and they'll behave differently. And the Iranians are going, no, we don't live in your imagination. We live where we live and we just want to kill you. And so we don't care what you do. So it's always hilarious to listen to Democrats talk about foreign policy. And it was nothing different uh, with Kamala Harris has cut 23. I love talking with Joe about a lot of these issues. And, you know, Joe, <laughs> he, I think he said it quite well. He says, you know, foreign policy, it might sound complicated, but really it's relationships. So just think about it as relationships. And so we know this in our personal and professional relationships. Um, you got to keep your word to your friends. Got to be loyal to your friends. People who have stood with you, got to stand with them. You got to know who your adversaries are and keep them in check. But what we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends 
and 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 be and 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 embraced dictators around the world. So we were in the Iran nuclear deal with friends, with allies around the country. <laughs> I just love it. Just, just imagine the world. I love to sit around with Joe. He sits in the when we discuss these things. He sits in the corner and he drools a little bit and sometimes nods off. But we love talking about these issues. And it's all it's about relationships. We we were in the Iranian deal with pals, with buddies. We were all buddies together. Unbelievably imaginative hilarity. Uh, has, none of this has anything to do with anything because really your relationships do matter. They relationships do matter, but ultimately everybody is going to be doing the best for their country. As Donald Trump says, he is the president of America. He is working to do his best for America. Will he negotiate with somebody? Will he become friends with somebody and think like, yeah, I trust this guy? Of course, that is important. But when you are giving money, when you're dropping pallets of cash off with the Iranians, you've lost the plot of what you're doing. And that's because you're living in your own head and you're not living in the world. Here's Pence's response, living in the world is cut 24. President Trump kept his word when we moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. We stood strong with our allies, but we've been demanding. NATO is now contributing more to our common defense than ever before, thanks to President Trump's leadership. We've strengthened our alliances across the Asia Pacific. President Trump unleashed the American military and our armed forces destroyed the ISIS caliphate and took down their leader, al-Baghdadi, without one American casualty. The last administration transferred $1.8 billion to the leading state sponsor Thank you, Vice of President terrorism. Pence. President Donald Trump got us out of the deal. Thank you, Vice President Pence. And, and when Qasem Soleimani was traveling to Baghdad Thank you, to Vice harm President to Pence. Americans, President Donald Trump took Thank you, you Vice out. President. <laughs> so women, women are always interrupting. Women, they just, these women, they just can't stop talking. You know, <laughs> she cut him off a lot more than she cut off her. And as I said, he spoke less. The timing was something like there was a three or four minute difference when they added up all the time uh, that Pence spoke versus Kamala Harris. All that interrupting was a little bit uh, on the a little bit dodgy as far as I'm concerned. However, however, just the difference. One person says it's all about relationship. Me and Joe, we sit and talk. I love to talk to Joe. We chat. And, and he's saying, yeah, Trump did this. He did this. He did this. He did this. It's a, that's the difference. That is the difference. It's re it really is one group of people trying to deal with the world and another group of people living in this world where somehow, you know, fossil fuels are bad. They're dark. They kill things. You know, it's not, it's not a natural sun world where the sun rises and everything is happy. Then, of course, there's this. And this is what I started out by saying. It was people haven't seen Kamala Harris. They haven't seen how, A, how awful she is personally. Throughout this thing, she was sneering and rolling her eyes and chuckling to herself. It was just, it was just dreadful. She's a horrible person. She's also not a good politician. She's a really incompetent politician. She doesn't make good arguments. She's self-righteous. She's kind of smug. Uh, she, she comes across badly. She's bad at it. But the other thing is, is this thing with packing the Supreme Court, the fact that the press doesn't ask this question of them every single day, they can't ask it of Biden because he's in the basement going, where am I? What, what is happening? What day is it? They can't, so they can't ask him, but they could ask her. When they asked her, she just will not tell the truth. They just won't come out and talk about his cut 41. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Now, Mr. Yes, Vice she, President, I'm speaking. Please, I'm speaking. In 1864, 
one of the, I think, political heroes, certainly of the president, I, I assume of you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election. And it was 27 days before the election. And a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president in the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. This is uh, from National Review. Lincoln said no such thing. He sent no nominee to the Senate in October 1864 because the Senate was out of session until December. He sent a nominee the day after the session began and Chase was confirmed the same day. So (laughs) entirely, entirely wrong. So then she is being asked about packing the Supreme Court and she doesn't answer. And Trump says you're not at Trump. Pence says you're not answering the question. And she said, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President. Because, you know, it's just mansplaining to demand an answer to the question. Is men, damn men, they just can't, they want facts. That's like, that's not the way women behave, you know? It's just, it is just an amazing thing. And I'm sorry, the press can sell this as much as they want. Some women are going to fall for it. But most of the women I know, most women I know are very honest about the differences between men and women. And they can see when they're being lied to, too. I mean, they can see that they're being lied to. And women are hypersensitive about being lied to by other women because they know when it goes off. Men can get away with it more because nature has made it so that women will ignore how awful we are so that we, the race can reproduce. But th- th- that was, it's absurd. It is absurd that the press as one does not demand an answer to this very, very important question and allows Biden to get away with, no, I can't discuss the issue because that would make the issue the issue. Then there's law enforcement. I mean, I, I can't go through all of this stuff, but I think it really is uh, important. You know, one, one of the things that kind of spoke to a central point in the debate, I'm going to skip to this. Kamala Harris was talking about Black Lives Matter and the law and police officers and all this. And she said this is cut uh, 34. I will not sit here and be lectured by the vice president on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. I am the only one on this stage who has personally prosecuted everything from child sexual assault to homicide. The president of the United States took a debate stage in front of 70 million Americans and refused to condemn white supremacists. He called Mexicans rapists and criminals. He instituted as his first act a Muslim ban. He, on the issue of Charlottesville, where people were peacefully protesting the need for racial justice, where a young woman was killed. And on the other side, there were neo-Nazis carrying tiki torches, shouting racial epithets, anti-Semitic slurs, And Donald Trump, when asked about it, said there were fine people on both sides. So every word of that was a lie. Every single word of it. And Pence struck back. This is cut 35. You know, I think this is one of the things that uh, makes people dislike the media so much in this country, Susan, Mm -hmm. is that you selectively edit, just like Senator Harris did, comments that President Trump and I and others on our side of the aisle make. I mean, Senator Harris conveniently admitted after the, after the president made comments about people on either side of the debate over monuments, he condemned the KKK, neo-Nazis and white supremacists and has done so repeatedly. You're concerned that he doesn't condemn neo-Nazis. 
President Trump has Jewish grandchildren. I'm glad you brought up your record, Senator. Thank you. But that's, I, I really need to make this point. When you, were, when you were DA in San Francisco, when you left office, African-Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were attorney general you. of California, you, you increased the, purport, the disproportionate incarceration of Thank blacks you. in California. Yeah. You did nothing on criminal yeah. justice reform in California. You didn't lift a finger to pass the first step back on Capitol Hill. I mean, the reality is your record speaks for itself. You know, if Donald Trump, this is what I mean about the tragedy of Donald Trump. If Donald Trump could do that as well as the stuff that he does, as well as the stuff that we appreciate, you know, he, he would be he would never be voted out of office. He'd be president for life if he could do that. The fact is. Only Trump could have won the presidency when he won it. He's the only Republican who could have done it. He's the only Republican who could have won the nomination. He won it because of who he is, because of what he's like. However, if he had just a little bit, just an injection of Mike Pence blood in him, (laughs) he would be so much more effective on a debate stage than he is. And that's the thing that really is troubling as the polls show him trailing behind. Doesn't mean to lose, but they show him trailing behind. And if he had just a little bit of Mike Pence in him, he would be a better Trump. I do have to play one thing, though, before we stop. I have to Trump put out his own video yesterday and talk about one of the reasons you have to love. Trump. You know, Trump can be incredibly annoying, he can be incredibly off-putting, but there are moments when I just love the guy. I really are. There truly are. And this was one of them, one of the great videos of all time. First of all, I don't know if it's the sunlight or something, but his hair <laughs> looks white. <laughs> it just the Babylon Bee. I, while I was away, I was away for a day on Monday. And I kept coming up with new openings to write for the show on Tuesday. And the Babylon Bee kept writing them before I could write them, before I could even think of it. It was like they were in my head stealing my stuff. And one of their great headlines was Trump the orange returns as Trump the white, which I just think is great because it's like he descended into the pit of death. And he came back with this video looking like Trump the white's cut eight. Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. <laughs> and I'm standing in front of the Oval Office at the White House which is always an exciting place to be. I got back a day ago from Walter Reed Medical Center. I spent four days there and didn't have to. I could have stayed at the White House, but the doctor said, because you're president, let's do it. I said, fine, you tell me what to do and I'm gonna listen. These are great professionals. They've done a fantastic job. And by the way, not only at Walter Reed, all over the country, we have the greatest doctors in the world. We have the greatest nurses, the greatest first responders, law enforcement, by the way. Incredible. Firefighters, everybody. They're just great. We have great people. This is a great country. <laughs> you just can't doubt that he means it. You know, it's just a, it's a visceral love of the country. I love that it's me, your favorite president. It's just there's just something about it when he's like that. You just he is as lovable as it is possible for a rogue to be. He is just a delightful, delightful troll. And it really is great. He goes on. He's another. Let's play this other clip of his. It's just it's just terrific when he talks about how he was treated as cut four. I want everybody to be given the same treatment as your president because I feel great. I feel like (laughs) perfect. So I think this was a blessing from God that I caught it. This was a blessing in disguise. I caught it. I heard about this drug. I said, let me take it. It was my suggestion. I said, let me take it. And it was incredible the way it worked, incredible. And I think if I didn't catch it, we'd be looking at that like a number of other drugs. But it really did a fantastic job. I want to get for you what I got. 
<laughs> I just love. It was my suggestion. I cured myself. I cured myself. I just, I chose the drug. I told the doctors what they did, and they brought me back to life. And now I'm sending. Not only this, the doctors say he's now developed antibodies, and of course they're not just any antibodies. These are tremendous, tremendous antibodies that will cure everybody. I'm going to spread them out. Everybody should have these antibodies. Not just me saying this. Many, many respected people are saying these are the best antibodies probably ever. So, so there's just something about Trump. You know, I think this uh, getting this disease hit him hard in the polls. I really do. I think it made him look bad. I think it made him look uh, confirmed a lot of the mask hysteria of the press and a lot of the fear mongering of the press. But over time, over time, if he does make this comeback, if he does come back strong, I think it's, it, it could help him. And as one more indication that Pence uh, uh, won the debate, the de- debate commission is now saying the next debate will be virtual. And Trump says he won't be any part of that. So that's still a story that has yet to come. And we'll see more. Remember, I will have a show tomorrow, a podcast tomorrow, Friday. So the Clavenless weekend will be just that much shorter. So you want to be here for that. And maybe even I'll be here for that. Who knows? We'll find out. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.